part two of Agent yes. Jones is finally here, right, Johnny we're, Boy? We're finally doing it. This was such a big case that we had to break it into two parts, and we don't love doing two parts, honestly, because we want to get you guys... ended episode. Yeah, we want you guys to get your resolution just the same way that we would if we were listening, but there are just so many details that it just felt right to make it a two-parter. And honestly, Darren, we like to keep them guessing. We like to keep them, you know, on the hook. Absolutely. I mean, we do love a little tease every once in a while, but you know, I have to, speaking of teases, I kind (laughs) of have to get right into this with Megan because I've been sort of waiting all week to talk to her. Now I know what you're thinking. Could I have texted Megan at any other point of when we were recording? Absolutely. But that's not the point. Okay. I like people to know (laughs) Megan needs to be held her feet to the fire only when we're recording. Now, (laughs) Megan decided very lovingly to share this picture of her two headed Mouse, Stuffed mouse, mice, yeah. Mouse, mice, I'm not really sure. Um, if it's two heads, one body, does that make it a mouse or a mice? Unclear. Um, <laughs> named it Jacob and Marty. Dressed them up in this sea-themed prom photo. Now, Megan, are are they lovers or brothers? Because I'm confused. Jacob mm. and Marty sound like very gay names to me. Please, uh. elaborate. So, so uh, these mice were a Christmas gift from two of my very closest friends, Jacob and Marty. Well, and what is more Christmassy than dead mice? You know, it's right? just tis the season. Absolutely. And are Jacob and Marty gay? Uh, no, no, they're not gay. Oh. They're cousins. And they um, are attached at the fucking hip. So it literally. was like hysterical to me that they gave me this too. And I was like, what the fuck else am I going to call these mice other than Jacob? That, that's perfect. That's perfect <laughs> for the whole situation. <laughs> so yeah, the cousins who happen to be attached at the hip, a head rather. Right. So okay, I, I don't you. necessarily know that uh, Jacob and Marty, the mice, are, are familiarly related that way. You know, that's their business. True. That's true. Yeah, none of our business. You're right. I'm asking all these really personal questions, and it's really none of my business. Like, we let them stay in do your their lane. Thing. Yeah. I know. I was impressed with the costuming, though. I was impressed with the costuming yeah. and the and the and the theme and the whole banner. I was all about it. Um, we might need to see your prom pic, Megan. It's very. It was. It was everything I needed. So I love. Thank you for I love being that to share. Love that it's not even really prom season. But like, you know, we're going full steam ahead with prom. Let's do it. Um, well, by the way, not. stay tuned to the end of the episode because we have some listener shout outs from people that had seen Megan's ice on Patreon yeah. and it's worth the wait. So, Megan, thanks for joining us again this week. Um, thanks Megan for will bringing be, me back. Yeah, Megan will be joining from time to time. And maybe you now next time she'll have a two headed like rattlesnake. Dragon. Yeah, oh, a dragon. Yes. Yeah. We live in hope, you guys. But we do have to get to part two. Um, And just a reminder, you know, for all the patrons, if you want to get first access at some episodes, merch at Megan's Two-Headed Rattlesnake, perhaps, next week, (laughs) uh, please sign up at patreon.com slash shaken and disturbed, or click the link in our show notes, of course. And before we kick off part two, wanted to get through what you guys are drinking today. John, kick us off. Well, I'm having coffee with a little Bailey's again because I have a bottle of Bailey's here that I need to get rid of. Um, But uh, not really get rid of, but, you know, it's been sitting here for a bit. So, yeah, I'm excited because I feel very energized. I've been, you know, I've been stuck on that brown sugar bourbon for so long, which is delicious, but it's nice to go back to my one true love. 
by the way, someone tagged us on Instagram, me and you, because Jamie mm. Foxx was doing an Instagram post for Brown Sugar I Bourbon. I saw that. I mean, amazing. I guess Brown Sugar Bourbon is a flavor, you know, not necessarily a brand. The brand that I use is called Heritage Distilling Company, and it's very, very good. Just FYI, that company's great. Megan, are you imbibing today? I am. Yeah, I went a little basic. I did uh, vodka and seltzer with lime. Mm. You true Darren. That's Darren. Yeah, that's a Darren drink. Very Darren drink. I actually normally do my vodka soda, but today I was trying to think of some ingredients I had, and I'm throwing this one back to Andy. Um, It's only it's almost my 10 year anniversary with Andy, which I cannot believe. It's March 21st. So. I literally can't believe it. We'll have to talk about it next week. But uh, I am going to have in honor of him his favorite drink, which is tequila. I'm having Don Julio tequila and a little fresca. Now, Darren, don't get too crazy with that tequila over there. Uh, You know, nuts. You mean? Well, we just don't need you. What do you mean, John? John, what do you mean? Going (laughs) crazy. What do you mean? I explain it. Oh, a female going crazy? I'm just looking. Oh, my God. Uh, I'm just looking out for you because I know your Uh history with tequila. Let's put it that way. You you really are my brother here protecting me, which is good because (laughs) I definitely need help with the tequila. But I will go slow and I will sip uh, judiciously. But let's get into part two of H.H. Holmes here. Why don't you kick it off, John? Yes, I will. And don't take too much of a big gulp as I I kick off the show. Oh, no. There she goes. Yep. Well, let's pick right up where we left off from last week's story, because the third and fourth murders from Holmes were Julia L. Connor and her six-year-old daughter, Pearl, which is heartbreaking. Julia and her husband, Ned, lived in the castle, which we mentioned from last week, with their daughter. Ned uh, worked with Holmes at his pharmacy's jewelry counter, and the two devised a plan to swindle a company in Chicago, according to Mysterious Chicago Tours. Uh, hopefully they're a legit source, mysterious Chicago tours. But nonetheless, Holmes developed an attraction for Ned's wife, Julia, and the two began having an affair, which is like, you know, that's not too cool. You're like, you're kind of like helping this guy out and then you're like sleeping with his wife. That's not. Um, but it happens. It does happen. Sure. It yeah. sure does. Yeah. Um, My God, I feel like we've had so many affairs lately on Shaken Disturbed. But well, I hate to say it, but they are quite popular. They are couples. quite a popular yes, thing. Quite a, quite a trend. Quite a trend. <laughs> well, Holmes wrote uh, that Julia, quote, lived for her child, and her one fear was that she should lose her, end quote. Ned quit his job because of the affair, bailed on his wife and daughter, and soon after, Julia became pregnant with Holmes. Uh, so basically, like, you know, the, this whole new life is sort of unfolding like now. wife swapping. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, totally. Insisting that Holmes marry her without knowing he was already married, he agreed, but under the condition that Julia allow him to perform an abortion. Not like Julia is going to the doctor to get an abortion. He wanted to perform it. And yeah, I'm not sure as a woman how I feel about that. Megan, maybe yeah. you, you're married, Megan, so maybe you have a little bit more... Um, That's true. Uh, yeah. Perspective. You know, a perspective on this, but I, 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 granted, this was a different time, so I imagine that abortions right. were even more taboo, maybe, than they are potentially today, but this seems like a major red flag. What do you think, Megan? Yeah, I mean, unless there was no other way to mm-hmm. have one done right e- even if he was a doctor i would so not be cool with aaron doing that. <laughs> right yeah, no. no unless it was like no. that or 
nothing. <laughs> I die. Yeah. Yeah, maybe if it was life or death, but this does seem like a lot of medical malpractice. Like, you're not supposed to work on your family members. No. Think. Yeah, so th- no. this just seems like a, a disaster waiting to happen. Well, that's a perfect way to put it, because he ended up murdering her during the operation. He wrote that another man and woman whom he did not identify were part of a criminal plot involving Julia's murder. They all seemed to be after a property she owned that they were unable to collect. Holmes explained that the couple wanted to send Julia's daughter Pearl to live with their elderly parents instead of killing her, but he overruled the idea, worrying she might incriminate him someday. So he poisoned her. Oh, this is so disturbing. Julia. It's really bad, but at the same time, like, I mean, I don't. I, okay. Like, this is me trying to have some sort of, like, rational explanation. Given the fact that we know that he was, like, at least considered maybe wanting to save her life, does that show some sort of human quality in him at all i mean granted he killed her but like is there something in his system now that's at least a trigger to know that it's wrong because that at least says that he's not blindly murdering these people that he has complete intent and that he knows what he's doing he's not just having these like blackouts of craziness or something yeah i mean this definitely touches on something like the spectrum of murder and the intent of murder because you know we hear about these crimes of passion where you know, people get somewhat let go, uh, you know, a little bit easier. They get off a little easier um, because it was a, <clears throat> you know, crime of passion and not some planned vindictive thing. I mean, yeah, either way, it's a murder is a murder. And it's a of this oh, it's particular. Horrible. Yeah. yeah. I'm just wondering and... if it's a character trait in him that maybe we're yeah. seeing. Like this is I... sort of the first time where he's like kind of he's he's stopping to read his tweet that's about to annihilate someone as opposed to just blindly sending the tweet. rage texting yeah that's exactly tweeting yeah well exactly. julia and pearl disappeared on christmas eve in 1891 which sounds so long ago but kind of wasn't really holmes also confessed to locking a maid in his vault to suffocate her and when he was preparing to ship her body was interrupted by another female tenant who worked for him as a stenographer and her niece. He says he also locked them in the vault. In May of 1892, he got a replacement stenographer, Emmeline Sigrand, I think I'm saying right, with whom he became romantically involved. So there's a little bit of a pattern going on here. These women come into his life. He becomes somewhat romantically involved with them. Uh, But she became engaged to another man. Holmes wrote, quote, This attachment was particularly obnoxious to me, both because Miss Sagrand had become almost indispensable in my office work and because she had become my mistress as well as stenographer. End quote. Well, that does get tough. That does get a little messy, you know? Tough thing to juggle, yeah. Correct, yes. Holmes said he tried but failed to take his, uh, his fiance's life and then decided instead to kill Emma, as she was called. On her wedding day, Emma came, I'm assuming this is Emmeline, by the way. Um, on her wedding day, Emma came to his office to say goodbye to Holmes, and he trapped her in his vault. What? Hmm. Holmes forced her to write a letter saying she thought it would be impossible to live a happy life with the man she was to marry and that she was moving out west. Holmes explained, quote, she was very willing to do this and prepared to leave the vault upon completing the letter only to learn that the door would never be again opened until she had ceased to suffer the tortures of a slow and lingering death. 
I love There's... how he's just like writing this. Like he's almost writing it as if he's the narrator of this story. Ooh, like that's a good way point, that, Darren. You know, like she was really willing to do this until she realized that she was never going to see the light of day. Like he seems so. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of going, maybe even going back on my last statement of maybe seeing some sign of humanity and him acknowledging that maybe killing at least a little girl was one yeah. step over the line. This is like completely callous. Like there's yeah. no anything there for me. Even the way he says Miss Sagrand, you know, it's almost like he's writing a New York Times article. It kind of goes right. back to what I was saying la- on last week's episode, part one of the story where I feel like he was likely very influenced by poets and uh, prose writers that were making big, you know, big kind of cultural art pieces at the time in New England where he was. Although this is, I think, in Chicago. And I think also, to your point, A, he's clearly a very smart person. You know, he's an educated man. But also, people talked differently in the 1800s than they do now. You know, like slang was Yeah, that's true. You know, just in general, and I think we see that just through letters throughout time about people's language changing, and so this was definitely part of that. You know, it was so, it was 130 years ago, 140 years ago, so yeah. it is a little bit of a different thing there. So you're saying that he wouldn't know what a selfie is, is what you're saying? I don't know Based if he, yeah, or like what walk meant or something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure he knows <laughs> what that means. Uh, I'd be curious to see if he yeah, knows maybe. Yeah, listen, he we'll sounds like a sounds like he's a smart guy. Well, anyway, yes. Emma's dad traded letters with Holmes trying to find out what happened to her or if he knew about her location. Holmes was very cordial, writing things like, quote, please let me know within a few days if you did not hear from her and give me her uncle's address here in the city and I will see him personally and ask if she has been there. As I know, she was in the habit of calling upon him quite often. Yours truly, H.H. Holmes, end quote. So now we get a little more, Darren, you know, you were kind of like setting us up for what was his intent. Now he's very clearly uh, withholding, you know, his intent and his murders from the family. So that tells a little story, you know, in and of itself. But Emma's family told a newspaper they believed Holmes had murdered her. So, you know, the family, I think, was on to his ways, especially if they had ever heard anything about, you know, his previous situation. Yeah, I I think that's right. And clearly Holmes is trying to divert attention away from him to potentially put it back on, you know, her uncle or something like that. But on May 1st, 1893, the World's Columbian Exhibition opened in Chicago. Spanning 600 acres, the World's Fair was a huge deal. I mean, even my dad talked Mm -hmm. about, you know, who was born in, you know, the the mid-20th century, about... Um, the World's Fair and how cool it was. I mean, I would give anything to go to a World's Fair. It's obviously not happening yeah. anymore, but like the shit was very innovative. So spanning 600 <laughs> acres, this World's Fair was a huge deal and attracted more than 20 million people from across the globe until it closed wow. in October. According to Harper's Homes, bought truckloads of furniture, crockery, mattresses, bed springs, hardware, and gas fixtures to prepare for an influx of guests from the World's Fair. Remember, he's running mm-hmm. his murder castle here. He's got you know, <laughs> thousands of rooms and weird pathways. Of course, he never paid for the furniture, and the company that sold it to him sent out an agent to watch the building. When Holmes refused to pay the company, uh, they sent out man- men in vans to repossess everything, but they couldn't find any of the furniture in the house, despite their agent insisting none of it had been removed. It's believed that Holmes was able to hide the furniture in the castle's hidden rooms that no one could find. Uh, you know, oh my in, in my mind, this is like, 
you know, torture chamber central. He's putting all yeah. that, all of his dark life in a place that no one can see. Yeah. America's first serial killer claims Holmes would take the, uh, Pitazel children to the exhibition where he'd lure well-to-do women by offering them a room at the castle, which was nearby. Some of these women had traveled by themselves to see the fair, and their friends and relatives would have no way of tracking where they'd gone in Chicago. Uh, you yeah, know, there's no find my friends back then. There's no you know? find my friends. There's no social media. Even letters can take weeks to get somewhere. Right. And, you know, someone offering a, a handsome, smart, seemingly well-to-do guy, uh, doctor, if you will, offering mm-hmm. them a place to stay at this, what looked like to me a fairly luxurious hotel castle, probably seems like a deal too hard to pass up. Yeah. And newspapers reported that a large number of people disappeared after attending the World's Fair. Mm. They, the theory is that some of the rooms in the castle were airtight and soundproofed, and Holmes locked his victims inside of the rooms, gassed them, and then disposed of their bodies in his basement, which, as, as callous as that is, in some ways is kind of a almost a perfect way to get away with it because it's not messy, it's not bloody, there's no right. DNA if you're gassing them in these single rooms, you know, kind of Dexter style. It's almost this... OCD way to kill someone in, in a lot yeah. of ways. Yeah, I mean, even just what you said about <clears throat> DNA, I mean, remember, this is late 1800s. DNA is likely not even a real thought, though. But, you know, right. it, you know, so that almost adds to it, to your point, because it's like you don't right. need to be super duper uh, locked up and, and tidy about this stuff. So, you know, this seems to work for him. I mean, if people can't even find furniture, they're not going to find a gas chamber, I imagine. But in 1893, in 1893, Holmes hired an aspiring actress, Minnie R. Williams, as his new stenographer. And Minnie's parents, who were poor, died when she was young, and she was adopted by her uncle, who was a doctor. Now, he sent her to a conservatory of dramatic arts in Boston before dying himself, leaving her and her sister his property. Holmes said he had first met Minnie in New York in 1888. She sold her family. She told her family that she was interested in Holmes because he was handsome, wealthy, and highly intelligent. Uh, mm. You know, a little bit of Ted Bundy esque vibes. We I thought the same thing. Someone. Yeah. Yeah, just those people. Unfortunately, a good-looking man who's rich can almost get away <laughs> with all, too many things. Yeah, I will you're say. Right. Uh, well, Holmes says he found Minnie to be a bright, intelligent woman, an interesting conversationalist, and one who I, who I could see had seen much of the world. He wrote, soon after en- entering my employ, I induced her to give me $2,500 in money to transfer to me by deed $50,000 worth of Southern real estate, and a little later live with me as my wife, all this being easily accomplished owing to her innocent and childlike nature, she hardly knowing right from wrong in such manners. You know, and certainly back then, women weren't encouraged to get their own schooling to understand how money was made Mm. understand how money was spent this and that so you know this kind of hero and and not for the lack of women it just wasn't encouraged in society it was a different society yeah even today sometimes that isn't encouraged you know in 2021 and so to 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 have this health uh, this wealthy handsome guy come to you and talk to you facts and figures with money and you got an estate and i want to take care of you and be my wife and this and that Right. Again, it seems like an offer that it's hard to pass up. I agree with you. Yeah, no, it's so important to think about the context of when this was happening, what, you know, what the resources were, what the cultural significances and expectations were, you know, and, you know, de- that which changed in our country in the, in the United States decade to decade. 
So, um, yeah. you know, we're talking 130 some years ago. It's quite a different time. Now, Megan, has Aaron been like, hey, give me your two-headed mouse and I'll trade you $50,000 for a deed? <laughs> has any of that happened in your marriage thus far? Oh, yeah. He is constantly just offering me increments of $50,000 to be like, hey, can it you is an Aaron do the quality. dishes tonight? Yeah. That's yeah, so Aaron. <laughs> so Aaron. Oh, my God. That's so him. Megan, we'll, we'll talk oh. after the show. You seem to need yeah. help. Blink twice, Megan. If Blink you twice. <laughs> Um, Holmes also got two additional checks for Minnie after they were married and learned that her sister Nanny in Texas was an heir to some property. So oh, Holmes encouraged bingo. Minnie to have... So, of course, Holmes encouraged Minnie to have Nanny come and visit. Surprise, surprise. And he claimed he pick her up. he picked her up, brought her to the castle when Minnie wasn't there. I feel like I know where this is going. He yeah. That it, was an, it was an easy matter to force her to decide, assign to me all she all she possessed, and after that, she was immediately killed in order that no one in or about the castle should know of her having been there. So, fights her over, swiftly kills her after talking about money, and no one is the wiser. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Perfect well, scenario. It appears he suffocated her in his vault, noting that an astute detective found her footprint on the painted surface of the vault door made during her violent struggles before death. Mm, that's so disturbing. I mean, a footprint on a door, um, unless you're trying to break that door down or you tripped and fell, is usually not a common place to see a footprint. No, no. Well, Definitely not. He later... He later gave Minnie a letter saying that her sister had called off the trip. So it made it seem like, you know, she was never in the castle. You know, she just yeah. never even came. After defrauding Minnie of all of her money, Holmes poisoned her and buried her body. Oh, so again, he's po- he's doing all these kind of like similar methods, you know, for a detective, even in the 1890s. Should be pretty, pretty straightforward. Yes, the 1890s, I should say. Eighteen. Um, I was just going to say 1890. yes. yes. <laughs> While Holmes was getting too much heat in Chicago from his creditors and they were preparing to arrest him, so he fled and his business partner, Benjamin Pitizel, came with him. Holmes married yet again. I mean, how many is this? Four, five, six, something like that? Jesus. To Georgiana Yoke in 1894 in Denver. Holmes and Pitizel committed a series of scams together until Holmes murdered him and his entire family. So it's so interesting because... We're setting up this image that he's, you know, here's this Holmes, he's got a business, he's well-educated, he clearly has a thing for women, he's handsome, and he comes, you know, in my head, he's this normal, I mean, you know, murders notwithstanding, this otherwise normal, you know, you would never guess in a million years type of guy, but then he murders his business partner who's scamming with him and his entire family. I mean, that's another level of, like, serial killer, if you ask me. Uh, he's a winner to me, that's for sure. Yeah, yeah it, that's right. It, it's also kind of surprising that, especially, you know, because he seems to go after a lot of women, but that his business partner, Ben, had, and I use business in air quotes, had kind mm-hmm. of no idea. Like, these people kind yeah. of kept disappearing. He had all these wives. They clearly had a relationship, and it didn't bother him at all. Yeah, or, like, I wonder if he was ever worried, you know, that this would happen. Right. As sad right. and tragic as it is. Well, it was the murder of Pitizel that led to Holmes getting caught. Pitizel's body was found in Philadelphia in September of 1894. It looked as if it it looked as if he'd been a victim of an explosion. There was a letter in his pocket from his wife in St. Louis saying she'd join him soon. Then his body went unclaimed in the morgue for ten days before it was buried. 
according to Harper's. Soon after, Holmes showed up to, uh, to claim the insurance money on behalf of Pitizel's wife. You know, so ah. this insurance stuff, you know, goes all the way back to the 1800s, folks, uh, just so you know. Um, apparently, Pitizel and Holmes had planned to fake his death and substitute a body that, that they'd obtained from the morgue. I mean, geez, even in death, these, these scams are happening. Yes, but, but Holmes double-crossed Pitizel by killing him and wanted to get all of the insurance money for himself. Holmes wrote that he wrote, quote, discouraging letters purporting to be from his wife, causing him to again resort to drink, then the waiting from day to day until I should be sure of finding him in a drunken stupor at midday. Quote. By the way, good thing we have all these writings uh, by Holmes. Yes, but also, what a long... <laughs> like he's and Long I don't game. and I mean this I, I, yeah and I mean this in the pejorative sense he's smart and he's thinking long term I'm you know discouraging letters from his wife gonna cause this guy to drink I'll be able to take you know yeah, take no, him out right. when he's drunk and, and kind of having this vulnerability and granted like we're not talking about like rapid fire text if he's getting letters from his wife this was taking weeks mm-hmm. if not months to kind of plan out so it's kind of it fascinating makes yeah, it almost makes the murders even that much more strategic and horrifying in a way. You know? Sure, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, worried that it might look like a struggle occurred, Holmes said that he bound his hands and feet after finding him insensibly drunk. He then saturated his clothing and face with benzene and ignited him with a match. Ugh, that's so oh, horrifying. Uh, Holmes wrote, quote, The least I can do is spare my reader a recital of the victim's cries for mercy his prayers, and finally his plea for a more speedy termination of sufferings, all of which upon me had no effect, end quote. And so that line... So so interesting that he's I'm, saying that, no? Definitely. I mean, listen, that line is one of the most, li- really lives up to the show, you know, Shakespeare. I mean, has there ever been anything more horrifying? But yeah, well, very and, and normally... And normally, I feel like when killers are asked this question or murderers are asked this question, like they evade it or they feign type of empathy or something like that. He's like not even phased by himself. Like he knows that he's a murderer and he knows that he's dangerous and he knows of all this stuff because he knows that the public, Mm -hmm. as he said, I want to spare my reader a recital of the victim's cries for mercy. He knows that this is not normal behavior. He knows it's not normal and... All of which upon me had no effect, he says, makes right. me feel like it really is just another thing to do that day. You know, it was game, part of the plan. Game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's like, this is what he had to do. He doesn't care what's happening. He's executing on his plan, no pun intended. And on he goes with the, with the insurance. Well, here it gets even worse. Holmes arranged boarding for Pitizel's three kids in early October of 1894. He poisoned Benjamin's son in Indianapolis on October 8th. He wrote that he had long knives sharpened at a repair shop, then cut the boy's body into pieces and cremated him in a stove. Mm. Holmes claimed he committed the crime for his own pleasure. I'm reading this very deliberately because it's hard to even read it. Authorities found... Howard's teeth and pieces of bone among charred runes, mm. in, according to biography.com. Later in October, Holmes made Benjamin's daughters, Alice and Nettie, get into a large trunk in Toronto. He wrote that he 
quote, returned to the house where the children were in prison and ended their lives by connecting the gas with the trunk. Then came the opening of the trunk and the viewing of their little blackened and distorted faces. Uh, the so children, horrible. I mean, first off, the word that gets me in that is little. Mm-hmm. You know, like blackened and distorted faces is horrible but the fact that right. he recognizes that they're young kids like and this is totally. no way to go whether or not you're 85 or eight and a half it's just no but of course kids like ugh. fucking gruesome and the children were buried in the basement Holmes had spent so much time with the children that he was like a second father to them and certainly with kids you know if your parent this is this is why parents killing children is like beyond yeah. me because those are the people that kids blindly trust yeah you know, totally with, if Holmes is saying, get in the basement, kids, we're going to play a game. Like, of course they're going to get into the basement. You know, yeah. like that's what happens. That's and Holmes how it goes. A, yeah. Holmes planned to murder Benjamin's wife and his remaining children, but he was arrested in Boston. Thankfully, his trial became a national sensation. Holmes was found guilty of the murder of Benjamin Pitizel and sentenced to death. He wasn't charged with any of the other murders, however. And mm. two weeks before Holmes's execution, the Philadelphia Inquirer published his full confessions, paying him between five and seven thousand uh, dollars. That's you know, crazy. Which, which obviously, you know, this was before Son of Sam, when Son of Sam was trying to sell the right. rights to his own story, and you know, so it doesn't encourage people to kind of get book deals from their own murders. Yeah. But you know, back then, this was not a precedent at all, and the not at the all. money that he earned from this is said to have gone to his eighteen year old son. Holmes had three children by the time he died. The historical nonfiction book, The Devil in the White City by Eric Larson, is based on Holmes's life. We highly recommend you read it. It's also being made into a movie for Hulu, starring Leonardo DiCaprio and directed by Martin Scorsese. So you oh. know that's going to be good. Actually, DiCaprio bought <clears throat> the film rights to the book after reading it. Well, good for Leonardo DiCaprio for knowing a good, terrible story when he hears it. Yeah, you um, know what's surprising though? Did was it yeah. surprising to you, John or Megan, that like he didn't kill his own children? I guess so. I mean, it does sort of make you wonder, like, what What's were the, the motives? Yeah, like, what right. were the standards to why and how he was murdering these? People? I mean, you know, it's surprising and shocking, and we move on to the next murder as we do the show. But it's like, you know, there's so many nuances and complications in everyday life, especially back then. Megan, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I almost feel like maybe that was an emotional or a sentimental thing, although nothing Mm. that he has done up until this point. like Because you want to say, oh, well, he didn't murder his children because it would have been too obvious. They're too close to him. Meanwhile, though, he's murdering people who are close to him, like, left and right. Yeah. So there doesn't seem to be any reason other than, like, he didn't want to. Yeah, I know. That's kind of where I, that's where my or head he went. he could have been so, for me, it's like, he seems so, and granted, this is all pure speculation, because we'll, I'll never meet him or no, but he seems to clearly, if you're murdering someone, there's clearly some mental illness going on. For sure. Him. And it could be this, like, borderline narcissism, right? Where part of it is, like, he feels like he can get away with it, and then the other part of it is, like, He's so obsessed with himself that he wants his future generations mm. to be like him. And so he's not going to kill his children because he sort of wants them to live on this amazing, fabulous legacy that he thinks that he created in some odd way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. 
but that could be involved in his psyche. That's kind of where I was going with it, but yeah, could we'll be. never know. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll never, never really know. know. Well, there is a theory that H.H. Holmes and Jack the Ripper are the same person. H.H. Holmes's great-great-great-grandson, Jeff Mudgett, wrote a book about it and helped with a history series, uh, American Ripper, which can be streamed on Hulu as well. Mudgett claims he inherited Holmes's diaries and that Holmes wrote about murdering sex workers in London, according to Biography.com. That's kind of fascinating if you think about it. Jack the Ripper was active in the White Capel District between 1888 and 1891. I am not from the White Capel District, so I hope I'm saying that right. Just want to throw. I think that, that out might be yes. Whitechapel. That's a good one, to, uh, Megan. <laughs> Chapel. That's this is why we have Megan here. Yeah, let me read. Megan is Jack the Ripper. Megan, <laughs> it's me and H. H. Holmes. <laughs> let me just exactly. edit note there. Oh, okay. Now, Jack the Ripper was active in the Whitechapel district between 1888 and 1891, but he was never caught, as we all know. Some people think it's unlikely that Holmes and Ripper were the same person, partly because Holmes killed in a methodical private way, and the Ripper killed women out on the street and mutilated them, which is right. true. And we often yeah. See- we often see certain patterns of killers, you know, sort of their staple, their hallmark, they want to be known for it. And I do think that Holmes is smart enough to at Mm. least kind of change up his killings every time. But he's so secretive that I can't see him going from, you know, creating an entire hotel of gas chambers and hidden rooms and staircases to then just brutally murdering someone on the street. Like it almost seems like he would be, it doesn't seem like they'd be the same person because he would be like, killing his own method to his madness in a way. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, but there was a theory at the time that the Ripper uh, had had medical training or a knowledge of anatomy and surgery because he was removing organs from at least three of his victims, which, you know, is is the theory and the the story of Jack the Ripper, really. Mudgett claims H.H. Holmes was working with a partner to kill the women. Holmes was allegedly harvesting organs and ovaries in particular, ugh, to create a, quote, youth serum that would allow him to live an unnaturally long time according to whitechapeljack.com so what the disturbed. fuck is he gonna do with those ovaries <laughs> what the fuck is he gonna do with them the theory is that the london murders of sex workers were an attempt to distract from what he was doing back in chicago where he was really after the organs of wealthy women because he thought they had healthier hormones in them like where does he come up with this stuff um yeah, I'm like, what is going on? Science. Well, in the American Ripper series, a linguistic expert analyzes a letter that was thought to have been sent by Jack the Ripper to the media. The expert concludes that the letter was most likely written by an American and not an English person. And a composite sketch created by interviewing 13 people who saw women with a man shortly before turning up dead looks similar to Holmes. Holmes was hanged on May 7th, 1896 in Philadelphia's Moya Mensing prison. His only request was that his grave be buried 10 feet deep and that his coffin be encased in cement. He didn't want anyone digging up his body and dissecting. Remember, he had spent a lot of time doing this very thing to these terrible, you know, this in these terrible uh, murders to these victims. And he had the, Darren, to your point earlier, you know, he's kind of always thinking one step ahead, mm-hmm. even in his own death, you know? So that's kind of But disturbing. like, what would he think we were going to find? 
perfect. Like, I think he's just so, I like, I want to be perfect and end my death and no one can get me. And or maybe I, I, I he, don't know. Maybe he, he recognized the humiliation of it when he was doing it. So he didn't want that same humiliation, you know, from anybody, whoever it may be, for whatever reason, in, right. you know, his death. But so while he was hanged, his neck, unfortunately, didn't snap when he was hanged. And, you know, as often is the case, by the way, with these brutal killings and, uh, you know, executions, Instead, he suffocated more slowly and his body twitched for 15 minutes while hanging, which, ugh, that's just, I really can't. it's too I, much. I, I have a huge problem with this, um, and Megan, I don't know if you have anything to add, but I have a huge problem with it, because, like, although, like, H.H. Holmes was clearly a murderer and clearly this horrible person, yeah, no, this yeah. is why I don't believe in the death penalty. Like, watching his body twitch for 15 minutes while hanging and that be, like... And I know, like, if there's a candidate for the death penalty, it's probably it's this him, guy, right? Yeah. Like, it's got to be him. I'm not saying save his life, but like, there's something so sick about it's torturous, really. This yeah, that I yeah. just, I, I just can't wrap my fucking head around it. Yeah, it's horrible. Yeah, Megan, tell us because you've read. Um, you know, we just talked about Mudget, who's the great, great, great grandson. Have you read? Didn't you read the book or something? I did. Yeah, he wrote oh. a book called bloodstains about his whole conspiracy that hh holmes and jack the ripper are the same person and it's Mm. just so bad it's in what way it's like you know the are you saying that the evidence doesn't kind of mount up for what his position the evidence that he presents is like it's ridiculous his (laughs) whole his main evidence is handwriting analysis where he compares like jack the ripper's handwriting to jack the ripper's other handwriting because he wrote a lot of things and we know that they were all written by the same person who we Mm -hmm. call jack the ripper uh and he couldn't get a handwriting analyst to say that he uses a a computer program oh dear but it's it's inadmissible to present as evidence this way. Right, like, we course. don't use computer programs for handwriting analysis because it's very, very uh, highly yeah. skilled sort of thing. And all, all he has is this computer program. And I don't know if you guys have seen the, the sketches that he also presents where he's like, oh, yes, 13 people. They made this composite. It looks like every guy on the street, right? If you were to just type mm. in like man from the late 1800s <laughs> in a bowler yeah. hat. It looks like yeah. every single person who comes up in this Google search. It's so just everyone's so... like, yeah, it's him. That's definitely him. And it's also every right. other man. Yeah. And he presents this evidence. He does TED Talks. This is his job. He like tours <laughs> oh, the dear. country and gives these oh presentations to people <laughs> where he he presents like grand jury style evidence mm. to the, the viewers in the audience. And he presents it all in such a way where you either have to be like, oh, okay, sure, those things could be true, I guess. Or you yeah. have to go through and, like, prove all of these negatives. Right, yeah. it's, like, too much conjecture on his point. And right. also, handwriting is also cha- can change on mood. Sure. You know? Oh, I didn't so even it's like, know that. Oh, yeah, for sure. Like, I mean, I it mean, makes listen, sense, yeah. 
sometimes if I'm scribbling really quickly, like sometimes my handwriting will go in an upward direction or a downward direction. I mean, the thing is, is that for people like us, we're not handwriting a lot of stuff anymore in the same way. Yeah, you know? that's I mean, true. Like, I'll take notes, but it's it's not it's rare to be writing a handwritten letter. I know people still do this, but uh, just handwriting analysis in general feels yeah very loose. You know, it's like the teeth. It's like the oh, like comparison of a bite mark and teeth as yeah. if that's proof in court of evidence. It's like, it just, it might be fun to think about, but it's not going to hold up in the court of law. Right. That makes sense. Well, Megan, thank you for that insight. It's good to know that it's from a firsthand account that it might not do be. You, do you recommend reading the book? Uh, it's a fun book. It's a quick read. Uh, okay. It's not, he doesn't, it's not dry. He's pretty fast about it. Uh, it's self-published. <laughs> but it's a fun sort of conspiracy theory if you're into that sort of thing (laughs) i very much am (laughs) um but listen if anything it it just gives another perspective it doesn't mean you have to believe it so sure yeah worth reading if not yeah absolutely well as we round out this horrifying case cases serial killer whatever you want to call it a caretaker of the castle during holmes's killing spree was also questioned by police about his possible involvement in any of the crimes, but was never charged due to lack of solid evidence, he killed himself in 1914 by drinking strychnine. His suicide note said, quote, I couldn't sleep, end quote, which is in and of itself very disturbing. I wonder if to some extent he knew about everything that was happening. I have a feeling I would... Got total conjecture, but like, I wonder if he knew couldn't but was getting paid you know what i mean and there you know maybe holmes was paying him pretty handsomely um and and then the guilt just took Took him over over. i mean yeah i mean he killed himself in 1914 so that's a solid what like 15 16 years after holmes had passed away maybe 20 years or so so uh I don't know, man. I mean, that's the thing, too, is, like, guilt is its own weapon in a lot of ways. Yeah, you're totally right. Well, H.H. Holmes's great-great-great-grandson also said that he wrote about tricking someone to go to the gallows in his place and that he really escaped. <laughs> so there's that to think about as well. I think it kind of I wonder how you, I wonder how you trick someone to go to, you know, get <laughs> hanged. I wonder how it's you very, do that. It's very bizarre. Like this guy, these murders and his his tactics and his methods are pretty much, you know, they're very unlike anything I've ever heard of. I mean, we've done hundreds and hundreds of murder cases over the years, Darren. And, you know, this one is going to stick out to me for a lot of different reasons moving forward. I don't know about you. Well, well, yeah, and there's probably so many people... due to the nature of the fact that he killed a lot of sex workers, you know, who were really yeah. underrepresented victims in a lot of crimes, especially back in the 1800s. And just yeah. for it being a sign of the times, there's probably so many victims that we'll just never know. I mean, yeah, he's totally. said to have killed between nine and 200 people. I mean, that's a yeah. pretty big window. Unfortunately, uh, we're probably just never going to be able to solve it uh, completely. Uh, we know that he's a murderer. We just could, we yeah. probably can't pinpoint H.H. Holmes's exact killings to everyone. And, and that's, that's, it's kind of the closure we're going to have to deal with, but it's definitely hard. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Well, let us know what you think about this two-part H.H. Holmes uh, series, if you will, here on Shaken and Disturbed. You can find us at Carby Darren and Jay Thrasher. Megan, where can people find you if they wanted to chat with you about your um, book reading? 
Oh, uh, I'm on Instagram. I'm at F off Meg, E-F-F-O-F-F-M-E-G. <laughs> of course you are. Thank you, Megan, for that. <laughs> Darren, let's move on to some listener shout outs here, and I'll start the first one if you don't mind. Do it up. Yes. Uh, Kylie on Patreon said, Megan is someone I would love to be friends with in real life. Oh, that's See, so aw. sweet. Kylie, you think friends, that, Kylie. and then then she invites you to her dungeon in her hotel. <laughs> oh, taxidermy. And, and then she's like, hey, do you want to go to this hanging for me? Like, Kylie, yeah. I'm just saying, this is so Megan. You know, Megan yeah. is so H.H. Holmes, it's ridiculous. I can't even... <laughs> can't even explain it and well james on patreon said i'm listening a few days late and it is really great to open patreon and find that jacob and marty are already here <laughs> and dressed so fancy so there megan there you go there you go you, you know what we talked about it you guys asked for it there it is and thanks to megan for lending us that photo for our patreon there you are. Yeah. Jacob and Marty um, may need their own segment on here. Like, they may have to come on and give their two cents uh, about what they're Yeah. Thinking. Like, are they our, like, resident, like, experts? Like, maybe we throw to Jacob and Marty from time to time to give us, oh, you know, call. their thoughts, something like Absolutely. that? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, experts, yeah. So. Absolutely. That's funny. Well, Candace in our Facebook group said, quote, my, uh, So, my connection to Sunday's episode is that I share a birthday with H.H. Holmes. Anyone else's birthday, May 16th? Mm, Darren, you're close, to, but not You're eight no days before me, but no. Uh, I'm curious of who shares birthdays with serial killers, though. I always think that that's yeah. very uh, fun, question mark, or at least interesting. Let us know if you have some iconic Let's go with interesting. murderers um, to share. Yeah, yeah, interesting with a high-pitched <laughs> voice. Uh, yeah. But let us know, and uh, you know, Candace, be sure to remind us that HHL's yeah. birthday is on May 16th, so we can shout you out. And for all of you guys out there, please rate, review, and subscribe to Shake It and Disturb wherever you listen to podcasts. We would greatly appreciate it. And of course, join us on Patreon for all kinds of fun bonus content, two-headed mice, Jacob and Marty's, you know, opinion of the week. <laughs> Which obviously right. is, you got to hear them. They're they, they're on the button and on the pulse of what people are thinking of true crime, Just absolutely good, <laughs> of, of true crime and pop culture. Really, they're yeah, on the front yeah. lines of this thing. Uh, and you can subscribe at Patreon.com/slash/ShakenAndDisturbed or click the link in our show notes. That's right. Well, thank you for joining us again, Megan. We'll be talking to you again yes. soon in the coming weeks. I think you'll join us for an episode in April or something like that. Awesome. Can't wait. And of course, check out Megan's uh, podcast, Rocky Talkie, where she talks about the Rocky Horror Picture Show wherever you listen to podcasts. Megan, how often are you guys releasing episodes? We're every week. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're every week on Thursdays. Our shows drop, so... Yeah, perfect. Today. Do Jacob and Marty have their own segment on the show? Yeah, or? like what? Are they involved or? Do they uh, have a they're, fee? they're mascots. They they okay. often hang around in the recording room and. They're going to be in high more. demand across all these podcasts. <laughs> they're going to be invited to every party, every photo op. <laughs> I mean, Jacob and Marty. Jesus, we're going to make they're, them they're stars. They're already dressed for it. They're, yeah, they're very true. dressed. They're very best impressed. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Have a fantastic week, and uh, we'll see you next Sunday. Bye. Bye.